Hey there, Victoria here, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Choose to Think podcast. That you are a regular listener is an amazing blessing to me. I appreciate how you click play or download on this show because I know you're busy running here and there and trying to juggle, oh, about 3.5 million balls all at once. I imagine you're a bit like I am, and it gives me untold joy to be invited into your corner of the world. My goal, as you know, is to glorify God, yes, but I also want to be your biggest cheerleader, shoring you up, encouraging you, perhaps teaching you a teeny bit, and helping to make your life a bit easier in one way or another. Now, most of you know my story already. I used to be an emotionally driven Christian, and it was a super hard place for me to be. Matter of fact, it drove me deeper and deeper into depression. And, well, if not that, a super roller coaster ride. Then, round about 2016, a friend encouraged me. She challenged me and she said, Victoria, why don't you go out and learn what it means to take thoughts captive? And that began my journey toward emotional health and wholeness, which is the backbone of my ministry now. Now, I've learned that our thoughts are critically important because they direct our emotions and even our actions. If we can line up our thoughts properly, we are positioned better to run the race without falling down so much. So if I can help you in any way at all, or if you are struggling with anxiety, depression, giving way to fear, or if my own personal experience is compelling to you or gives you a bit of hope, shoot me an email at choose to think, that's a number two, at gmail.com. I'd love to connect more with you. Okay, so today I'd like to do something a tad different on the show. I thought it would be compelling to pause and consider 16 of the names of God in the Old Testament as inspired by Psalm 8. These names are powerful and they help me to pivot my eyes to God as the source of my strength and my faith. Plus, I have a bonus for you, so please stay tuned. Old Testament birth names not only obviously identified someone, but the names exposed character of the individual, represented their identity, and often pointed towards some special meaning. Have you ever researched what your name actually means? It's kind of fun, isn't it? And often we delight in the meaning. My mom's name is Helen, which means light or bright, and she is an extraordinary hostess and always has a bright smile on her face when you walk in the door. My dad's name is Rex, and in Latin, this means king. In his lifetime, he's been a successful manager and leader, pushing toward excellence in all he sets his hands to. P.S. Hi, Mom and Dad. Thanks for listening. I love you, too. (laughs) Had to include that there. Well, For me, it was such a fun reminder to review these names of God and study them again using the online Blue Letter Bible as my resource. Now, why are these names so important to us as Christians? Well, first, they personalize our God. We're in relationship with Him, after all, and we desire to know Him better each and every day. When we hallow or revere the name of God, we are showing Him devotion, admiration, dedication, and love. And it's heartwarming and mind-grabbing to meditate on who God is, His character, and His identity. 
In Spanish, just a little Spanish note here, there are two verbs that basically mean to know, but how they're used is vastly different. One verb means to have head knowledge, to know facts and details, whereas the other verb means to know in the sense of acquaintanceship and, and a deeper or more intimate familiarity. Well, for God, we are to know Him in both senses. We make it our life's quest to know about Him and to really know Him. Why? Because He speaks to us and He reveals Himself to us and He longs to, He built us for a relationship. He longs to know us and to pour into our lives and demonstrate Himself to us. But we need to recognize His voice, His promptings, and His leading. And, you know, because our relationship is two way. Well, as we walk our way through these lists, I'll drop the verse that is the first mention of this name, and that will offer us a more complete understanding of the name based on the given context. Also, you may want to snag the free cheat sheet bonus to accompany this episode. I provide all the names, their meanings, first mentions from the NASB version, etc. It would be it would make a great personal Bible study or maybe a printout. You can put it on your fridge or your bedroom mirror to remind you of the God you serve daily as you walk in relationship with him. Just go to victoriadwalker.com and click freebies to snag your worksheet. Okay, I also have another challenge for you as you listen. Try to pick out one name of God that means the most to you. And in other words, who is God to you? Try to be asking yourself that question as we go. And, you know, you may be tentative about some of these names. Maybe you're doubtful about them. And maybe you're thinking, gosh, I wish God were that to me, or I wish I knew him like that. But no worries. You can thank God for who you know him to be based on your own faith journey. And then you can also ask God to reveal himself to you in all these new ways, in just that way that you need him to show himself to you, and he'll do it. So let's go with the 16 names of God from the Old Testament. Okay, number one is El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty, All-Sufficient One. It is first mentioned in Genesis 17:1 under the heading of Abraham and the Covenant of Circumcision. Quote, now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. That would be El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Number two, El Elyon, the Most High God. And this name expresses extreme sovereignty and majesty of God and his highest preeminence. First mentioned, Genesis 14, 18, under the heading War of the Kings. Quote, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. Number three. Adonai, meaning Lord or Master. At first mention, Genesis 15, 2, under Abram promised a son. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Number four, Yahweh, meaning Lord, 
Jehovah, Master, and the existing one. I love that part of it, the existing one. And it denotes the omnipotence of God as a despot and absolute ruler. It is the most popular name in the Old Testament, used over 6,500 times. Now, listen to this explanation from the BLB. Quote, Yahweh is the promised name of God. This name of God, which by Jewish tradition is too holy to voice, is actually spelled instead. It's it's Y-H-W-H without any vowels. Y-H-W-H is referred to as the tetragrammaton, which simply means the four letters. Y-H-W-H comes from the Hebrew letters Yud, He, Vav, He, while Y-H-W-H is first used in Genesis 2. God did not reveal himself as Y-H-W-H until Exodus 3. The modern spelling as Yahweh, which is Y-A-H-W-E-H with, you know, the vowels included, includes, well, it includes vowels to assist in the pronunciation. Many pronounce Y-H-W-H without the vowels as Yahweh or Jehovah. And we no longer know the exact pronunciation, apparently. Okay, so this name of God appears first in Genesis 2-4 under the heading of the creation of man and woman. Quote, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Okay, and then later, God's revelation of himself as Yahweh occurs in Exodus 3 with Moses and the burning bush. And this is Exodus 3, 2. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Okay, number five is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, the Lord my miracle. Well, this is the God who reveals himself unceasingly. That's the Jehovah part. And God is a is a waving is waving a banner of encouragement to give us hope and a focal point. Just think about that. Think I I, I love the picture of Jehovah Nisi being that banner over me. And you know the banner over me is love, right? Well it only appears once in the section um, called Water in the Rock. And it's from Exodus 17, 15, quote, Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. That's awesome. And round number six, Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd. And this denotes friend, companion, and with a very deep intimacy. You know the reference already. I know you do. It's Psalm 23, one, and you can quote it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And number seven, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals, the great physician who heals the physical and emotional needs of his people. You know, he was Jehovah Rapha, certainly to me because I had emotional needs and he stepped in and did the healing in my life. Well, 
It's first used in Exodus 15, 26, under the heading, the Lord provides water. And here's the quote. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have put on the Egyptians for I, the Lord, am your healer, end quote. And before we go on, let's take a quick break from our sponsor. Okay, and let's go number eight, Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. This one occurs only once in scripture also, and it's a symbolic name for the earthly Jerusalem, indicating that God has not abandoned Jerusalem, leaving it in ruins, but that there will be a restoration. It's from the section titled The City Gates in Ezekiel 48, 35, quote, the city shall be 18,000 cubits round about, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. That's an awesome thought, isn't it? Okay, number nine, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. It's used in Jeremiah 23, 6 with the section titled the coming Messiah or the righteous branch. And let's see, here it is. Quote, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Number 10, Jehovah Mekadishkam, 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 something along those lines. And it means the Lord who sanctifies you, the Lord who makes holy, the Lord who sets you apart. And it's under the sign of the Sabbath from Exodus 31, 13, quote, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbaths for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I I am the Lord who sanctifies you. That's such a cool thought, isn't it? That we're set aside and we're made holy. We're set apart. We're unique and and made holy through in God's eyes. That's it's nothing that we can do, but it's everything that He's done. It's really a neat thought. Number 11, El Olam, the everlasting God, the God of eternity, the God of the universe, the God of ancient days. That makes me think of that song, Oh, Ancient of Days. Do you know that song? Um, And it's under the um, section title, Covenant with Abimelech from Genesis 21-33. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. All right, number 12, Elohim, meaning God, judge, creator. It specifically refers to the monotheistic God of Israel. Now, I want to make an important digression here, so go with me for a minute. You may know that Christianity is a mono, meaning one, theistic or God, religion, as opposed to poly theistic religion, poly meaning many. Judaism and Islam are also monotheistic religions, whereas Hinduism, Taoism, and some branches of Buddhism are polytheistic. Buddhism is basically non-theistic or considered functional atheism. Kind of get your mind around that. Pantheism means everything is God. It flips it back on its head, I guess. But why does all this matter? Well, for starters, logically, only one of those options can actually be true. There is one God. There is more than one God. There are no gods. Well, only one of those can actually logically be true. 
But the best answer that I can come up with why it really even matters is because of what the Bible says about it. So we turn corners at that point then, and we need to talk about the, the truthfulness, the veracity of the Bible itself as the object of our faith and trust and belief. And this is a lifetime pursuit. I can tell you personally that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. You know, I bowed my heart to him, but my brain wasn't so sure. I knew I had had this change internally in my spirit because I wasn't the same, but it took years for my brain and intellect to catch up. And I started with the question, why is the Bible true? I wondered what historical, archaeological, literature-based, geographical, scientific, prophetic evidence exists to, quote, prove the claims in the Bible. And that was the starting point of a wonderful journey of discovery for me, which all started about 20 years ago. But now, one more thing about this issue of all religions, Christianity is unique because of the triune God, the Trinity, God three in one, you know, unity and diversity kind of thing. Christianity with its Jewish roots has Christ. Christ, the man who walked this earth, fully God and fully man. Christ, who changed the history of the world. But it's not just this. It's the fact that Christ bridged the gap between our sinful nature and God's promises for eternal life. Christ was a human bridge to draw us to the very heart of God. Essentially, God the Father proved his own existence. This second Adam, Jesus Christ, connected the dots and tied the knot of a love on a love that we cannot even begin to comprehend. And if this isn't enough, we Christians were left with the spirit to guide us, convict us, help us in our direst time of need. All bases are covered in Christianity. This is a performance-based religion, but it's not our performance. Nope. God is the faith, the great and magnificent weaver. He is the one who did the work on our behalf. It was his, on our behalf, it was his performance. And what's our role? Well, to have faith and it doesn't even take much to transform a heart. Okay. So all this to say that when, when is God first revealed as Elohim? You guessed it. Genesis 1-1 under the creation account, quote, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth, end quote. And that is the starting point. All right. Okay. Number 13, Jehovah Kana, I think it is. It's Q-A-N-N-A, meaning jealous, zealous, envious, as related, kind of like in a marriage relationship. Now think about how God is depicted as Israel's husband, or think about Jesus in the church. Our God is a jealous God, wanting all all our praise for himself and no one else. And you may think that this is a real negative attribute. Uh, we are taught not to be jealous or not to be envious, right? But in this sense, it is such an incredible blessing for the recipient, for us. We serve a God who so loves us that he wants our relationship with him to, to be unadulterated. Don't you want a spouse like that? A husband who treats you with such tenderness and care, showing you just how precious you are to him? Think the bigger picture here. God is our avenger. 
you know, isn't that that movie, right? The Avengers. Well, don't you want an Avenger on your side? Someone who will fight for you, who will give his very life for yours. I sure do. This is first, God is first named in this way under the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 5. Quote, you shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Mm, Interesting. That one's a curious one. Okay, 14, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And this occurs only once in Genesis 22, 14 under the section titled Offering of Isaac. And, you know, it symbolically represents Mount Moriah, which was memorialized by Abraham when God interceded at the very last minute in Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. And remember, God provided a substitute. It was that ram caught in the bushes. Quote, from Genesis 22, 14, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. It is, as it is said to this day in the Mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Number 15, Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace or the Lord where there is absence from strife. Well, shalom also means completion or soundness. Jehovah Shalom occurs only once in Judges 6.24 and is the name of an altar built by Gideon in, in Oprah. Okay, Judges 6.24, quote, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it is still in um, Ophrah of the Abiyaz rites, end quote. And number 16, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, also means the Lord of powers, Lord of armies. This name conjures up God's universal sovereignty over every army, both spiritual and earthly, as the king of all heaven and earth. It's first found under this section in 1 Samuel 1, um, chapter 1, Elkanah and his wives. It goes like this, verse 3, quote, Now this man, and uh, I'm interceding or interjecting here, he was talking about Elkanah, who was the prophet Samuel's father. Okay, he would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. So there you have it, the Lord of hosts or Sabaoth. Now, before I read this psalm, I want to run through all those names again and just let this wash over you. God is the Lord God Almighty, the all-sufficient one. He is the most high God. He is Lord and master. He is the existing one. He is the Lord, my banner, my miracle. He is the Lord, my shepherd, the Lord that heals my great physician. He is the Lord and he is there. He's the Lord of our righteousness. He is the Lord who sanctifies you, who sets you apart. He is the everlasting God, the God of eternity, the God of the universe, the ancient of days. He is God, judge, creator. He is jealous for you. He is the Lord as one who will provide, your provider. He is peace. God is the Lord of hosts. So let me go back to the very beginning questions that I had for you before we listen to Psalm 8. Who is God to you? How do you know him? And who do you need God to be for you? All right, here we go. 
Psalm 8, the NASB version. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And this is the word of the Lord. So Brain Changer, if you found encouragement here in this episode, or if you learned something, would you share this episode link with a friend? You can see it, send it via email, text, or a post on social media, and be sure to tag me if you do. And the merch designed for today's episode, okay, I've created a t-shirt and, you know, a hoodie and long sleeve shirt with a bit of Hebrew lettering. It says, I choose Elohim, but the Elohim is actually scripted in Hebrew. And I'm so pumped about this design. I hope you like it too. Talk about a conversation starter. It says, I choose, and then it's got this Greek message there. Well, be blessed. And the link to the store is on my website and I'll drop drop it also in the show notes and say, I have so many great interviews on tap for you. One that I'm about to bust a zipper on is a curated issue from several friends and associates with Christian ministry and initiatives. I cannot wait to share what they're doing. They have so many offers that you might be interested in, and I can't wait to share all the deets. You're going to love what they say. I've got also an episode on adoption, another one on adoption. If you didn't hear Christine's last last week, I've got a special guest from Uganda. And on a more sobering note, one episode coming up soon will be about suicide. Okay, well, let's you and I choose to think, give thanks in all things, and walk today with a renewed mind. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we give glory, honor, and praise to your name. We bow at the name of Jesus, that name that is above all names. Please help us to know you better. Reveal yourself to us us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's a wrap on today's show. Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.